unpacking above and below and big potato tv this is staying in i am supercharged today why i've realized that usually when we record this podcast i'm usually pretty knackered at this point but i had a power nap and i usually don't do power naps because when i'm under i'm under and that's me Mm. gone for eight hours so i was worried I wasn't going to make it to this call. I had to set myself a little alarm even for like 20 minutes or so because once I'm under, Mm. that's it. Mm. Uh, I used to sleep through like fire alarms at university and things like that. Um, Very, very deep sleeper. But now I feel so wide awake now. It's brilliant. Just buzzing from 20 minutes sleep. Is that all you got? 20 minutes? 20 minutes, power nap. That was it. When did you have the power nap? Um, Look at my hair, Dan. It was literally about 20 minutes ago. I started it. Just literally just sat in your, got yourself set up, sat in your seat, fell asleep and then sat and went, oh, hello. I'm a bit like a canary. Like if it's pitch, pitch dark, that's it. I'm out. (laughs) Good night, Chris. I sleep with something over my eyes. Do any of you sleep with something over your eyes? Yeah, sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I've always done it because I can't have any little bit of light. It'll just keep me awake. Mm. Do you all have eye masks? Yeah. Hmm. I have I yeah. I have like um you know remember when I used to have really, really long hair, I'd keep it back with a buff. You know, that like neck warmer headway gown to activity <laughs> yeah. Jesus Christ. I, I use that I have that I have that over my eyes. <laughs> oh my god, so so uh, Pete, do you just wear like a proper like eye mask, the shape of an eye mask? Yeah. Yeah, like a like a no, like a normal human being. Yeah, yeah. Like a normal human being. So what I'm saying is, if someone was to walk in on you during the night, they go, "Oh, look at that man there, there wearing a very normal eye mask." Not, yeah. "Oh my God, there's an extra from Resident Evil." Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh there's Daredevil <laughs> before he got his suit completed. Right. <laughs> Asleep. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, what's your um? What's your nap strat? Chris, someone who who often myself takes strategy naps at work. We've actually got a um, a room which was formerly called the Jules Holland room, but now has been re- but now has been renamed to the relaxation room. Um, was it was a really quiet space where you could go and have a little nap uh, sometimes at work. Uh, what was your what was your nap What's your nap strat? Because that that twenty minutes is like the perfect window anytime before then or after then you're going to wake up feeling groggy disorientated you know out of sorts it's all about getting that perfect it's like 20 minutes or or an hour and a half it's basically yeah. that's the that's the window i think it's a knife edge yeah, yeah so what's what's your what was your nap strat so i uh, i the main thing is the darkness as i said before i have a little podcast on but a very gentle podcast no more than two voices not any kind of loud raucous kind of conversations back and forth just very nice just almost like i'm in a room and people are talking and i'm just sleeping in the background so you don't listen to this podcast then we're far too raucous i listen to this podcast when i shower okay (laughs) all right 10 minute bursts fair enough and so in the nude (laughs) well yeah of course i'm showering I'm going to shower fully clothed. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so um, I have the temperature not too warm. I have it a little bit colder, which I think is quite good as well, because I think if it's too warm, I'll, I'm more, it's going to be harder for me to rouse myself. I'm glad you said rouse. And I'm going to be a bit dehydrated. Mm. So 20 minute bursts and a nice gentle kind of voice in my ears. 
and getting into bed i think that's key i don't sleep on the bed even though it's 20 minutes i get into bed i think that's important mm. as well yes i cocoon myself do you take your trousers off no i don't actually so you sleep fully clothed fully clothed with a tie and everything <laughs> and i do that thing i don't know about you but i i do that thing where i i tuck the end of the duvet under my feet yeah i love that mm-hmm. that's nice the only issue mm-hmm. that is is that first world problems isn't really an issue and we talk about what actual issues are but i can't quite get the actual top of the duvet to get as high as i want it to be because obviously now right. what well you know why don't you get a bigger duvet well, yeah, you can't get a longer duvet you can get them wider can't you no, you can get a longer one. Can you? Yeah. Most duvets are square shaped. They're the same length at the top as they are at the sides. That's what I mean. You should, you should always have a duvet which is one bigger than the bed that you've got. Number one rule. <laughs> Unless you're like some people I know who have a separate duvet each. What? I feel like this is episode 143 and we've finally run out of things to talk about. This is gold. <laughs> no, 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 no. Genuinely, this is very useful. I I, this, is, this, is, this is very useful. So, Sam, mm. sorry. So, so get so get so get a duvet one bigger than the the size that you've the the, the size of the bed yeah. that you've got that will cure your the fact that for some <laughs> even though you're just tucking it under your feet mm. you can't quite bring it up to you yeah, yeah you should be able to tuck it under your feet and wrap it around your head yeah that you know go and test them out you'll look fine doing it yeah and another good life it's not really a life hack but it's a great feeling go to bed with your socks on do it and then take your socks off yes great yeah, yeah that's that an amazing really feeling <laughs> a great feeling that kind of yeah. slow strip tease <laughs> I, I one thing as well just you know I, I i can only sleep horizontally what does that mean what like across across the bed that's my that's my curse wait 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 hang on, no, hang on, hang on, hang on. i think you're losing sam and pete here so no, what I mean is, what I mean is, I cannot say sleep on a train or a plane. I have to be oh, flat. Oh, oh, right, okay. I, <laughs> I thought you were a vampire. Well, you mean I go to bed with a spirit level? I can sleep anywhere. I can sleep I'm anywhere very as well. Adept. Also, yeah, Chris. Yeah. Also, Chris, you are absolutely fibbing because uh, you absolutely <laughs> yes. fell asleep, sat upright in the hospital. So there's. I mean, absolutely. I, I mean, no, he did have concussion. I, I mean, did have there concussion. are mitigating <laughs> factors well, here. I, I've. I, I've actually got photographic evidence of Chris asleep in a coach between Vienna and Budapest. So again, uh, the lies become untangled. <laughs> the lies are stacking up, Chris. I think none of you will be surprised at this, but um, but I did I did nearly have a little cry in bed the other day. Okay, okay, right. Well, is it? <laughs> <laughs> is this something for the podcast or is this something maybe for, you know... Oh, absolutely, it's something for the podcast. Like a gentle conversation there for a cup of tea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And a, like a, a, a sort of like cuddle and, and it's going to be all right. Was this was this um, a, a cry due to humour? Was it a cry due to physical pain or some kind of realisation? Should we all guess what Sam was crying at and let's see which one is closest? <laughs> yeah, let's, pl- let's play the brand new game for 2022. What's Sam crying about now? <laughs> we, we say it's a one-off, but I've got a feeling it's going to run and run. <laughs> and, and, and the jingle can be a bit more facetious than that. So it can be, oh, what's Sam crying about now? <laughs> So in the past, of course, we've had such great hits as taking a shower, <laughs> watching Gilmore Girls. What was that advert you cried at? Uh, the National Lottery advert. 
the Hugh Jackman smash hit vehicle. <laughs> Real steel. Real steel. <laughs> I'll just tell you what it is. Please. So I read, I went to bed, um, went to bed early, and I propped myself up in bed, stole my wife's V-pillow, and I read from cover to cover in one sitting. It took me about 90 minutes, and it was great. I read my present that I got from Secret Santa. Oh. Um, I read my copy of In, and um, I lent that to you today, Chris. Yes. So I look forward to shedding a tear this evening. Yeah. <laughs> and it was incredible. Absolutely lovely, lovely book. And um, it was kind of one of those experiences where a writer is able to, and it's one of the wonderful things that I love about all media, but especially I think um, literacy does this quite a lot and comics does this quite a lot as well, is when you connect with a writer on a way where they're able to sum up or describe a way that you have been feeling or have felt or... Mm describe a way that you act or behave mm. before um and you connect with them on that level where it's just like yeah i'm like that too and i've never been able to verbalize it oh, or wow. contextualize it but you've been able to really sum up like the way i feel in certain like social situations and how you interact with people and like in just just does that it's it's remarkable like i could you know it just felt like having a conversation with with myself and, and the writer was able to really help me understand like a part of my personality and it's such a really personal thing mm. um, and, it, and, and, and it was great and it was great and then you know I think that's part of the reasons that led me to tears in the story because I felt so connected with it in terms of the character felt a lot like me in certain in certain ways yeah. Um, so it's a really, really beautiful book. If you've read stuff like Sculptor or especially Day Trippers, which is oh, like, it's magnificent. That gets an annual read from me. It's magnificent. It's it's up there with, with something like that. It's like a really, really sharp graphic novel. And something that could only be done in that style as well. Like part of the reason why I think it resonated with me so well was that what the character was going through and what they were experiencing and the revelations that they were happening, the medium that it was in just really, like, really hit home. Like, and and that couldn't have, maybe in a video game, but it couldn't have been done any other way. So, yeah, spectacular. So thanks, Santa, for that. Still making my way through my little philosophy book of dinosaurs or dinosaurs speak philosophy. Um, Philosophos, Philosophosaurus, 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 Philosophosaurus Rex. Rex. Um, well, I have been uh, playing my Secret Santa gift as well, actually. Uh, Unpacking, which is uh, the game that <gasps> I got. Yeah, I think that's the one we we we, we suggested you would suit you the best. Mm. Yeah, and. I didn't really know all that much about unpacking going into it. So the only thing I knew about it was a GIF on Twitter or a little short video on Twitter, which was about picking up and putting down items. And when you pick up an item and you put the item down, it sounds different depending on the item that you have and the surface that you're placing it on. The audio work is... Un like it's a staggering amount of audio that must be in this thing. Um, so to explain what unpacking is, this is by a studio called Witchbeam, and as soon as they came onto the screen, I was like, 
I recognise that name. Why is that? And it's because I recognise it from back when I was a, a games journo and I was actually chatting with some of the folks uh, from Witchbeam, I think, over email, uh, when they were releasing a game called Assault Android Cactus or Assault Cactus Android or something along those lines. And it's a, it's a, that was a, a top-down third-person action game, shooter game, kind of like Robotron, uh, that, that kind of thing. Unpacking is not that. Unpacking is a beautiful pixel art, incredible pixel art game about unpacking in a house. So the the, the conceit is that it's kind of like... It's described as a zen puzzle game about unpacking a life. And um, the idea is that you... You have this each each save slot is essentially a diary, and it's the game is going through seven or eight levels, something like that, of uh, this person's I would say kind of early early life. So um, from when they're very very young uh, to uh, they've just had a kid of their own, and uh, kind of uh, kind of gets to that's kind of like the the kind of breadth of 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 the. The life experience that that's being talked about, and it's about how people that that experience that we've all had of of you've got your items, you've packed them all away because you're moving house, yep. and you're unpacking it all. Love it. My favourite part of moving house, right? And you see these items coming out of the box, and when we're doing it ourselves, obviously we've packed those items first. We're taking them out of those boxes, and there's sometimes when we're packing stuff in, we go, "Oh yeah, we still have that. Why do we have this?" Or, "Oh, do you remember when we did this? This is the souvenir that we got from when we did that." And there's a little bit of that. In fact, I would say a, a, a good chunk of that stuff, because you're always unpacking in unpacking. You're always taking the stuff out. <laughs> so you're so you're never so you're having that experience of. Oh, I wonder. I wonder why they have this because you're unpa- you're unpacking somebody else's life. It's mm. one person's life, and it's genuinely surprising how how solid a narrative they are able to weave from just this act. There's nothing else. There's no. There's no like cut scenes. There's no dialogue. You don't even get to see. Uh, the 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 characters really um i think you see the back of their heads at one point um but in a photo but like you really you know you really don't know all that much about these characters the thing that's put me off unpacking yep playing it because i because i like when it was suggested to you i was like yep perfect game that sounds like to me like a game that i'd really enjoy as well just chilling out unpacking some stuff mm-hmm. but i was really worried about how it would be gamified and i felt like and and what I didn't really understand was I didn't really want to like watch a video to get the answers because I thought that might be spoiling a bit of the experience. Yeah. And I did, couldn't really find the answers to my questions anywhere. Was like, how is it actually our game? Like, is there only like one specific place objects can go? Is there like a right and a wrong? There is a right and a wrong. But there are multiple places that each item can go. So it's it's okay. presented in an isometric. Uh, I think it's probably isometric. Um, but that kind of you know, two uh, D, three D uh, visual, um, and you can rotate. You can you, each object takes up a certain amount of space, and that varies depending on the size of the object. Some of these items can be stacked on one another, so you you might end up with like some CDs, for example, and you can stack those on top. But 
by and large, you can put items pretty much anywhere within for a theme within a room. Some there are some places that you can't put certain items. So, um, for example, you can't put shoes on a bed, but you could put a teddy bear on a bed. Um, but you could put a, a satchel. Uh, you know, and but you might be able to put a satchel in a bed. Uh, sorry, under the bed or in a cupboard. Or you know, a, lots of different or on the top of a shelf like those. The, so there is there's quite a bit of variety. There, there isn't too much in terms of what you places you can't put things. There are some things that just do not go in certain places. So for example, you are given different rooms. Uh, so you might have the bedroom and the kitchen and the bathroom. So having a while you might be able to get away with having like a figurine of a of a of a character on your bedside table, you couldn't get away with having them on the side of the bath. Right, so so there are certain that's madness. Um, so so it doesn't really gamify it all that much in that way, right? Like there's not there's not a huge amount of game here. It's not so it's completing a level, just unpacking everything and finding a place for everything. Exactly that. Exactly okay. that. Now the thing that put me off about this game, luckily <gasps> after I'd played it. Is how many is kind of the the plaudits it has and the way that a lot of people talk about this game. There are this is a game that I like to I, I, I like to kind of talk about as like um, uh, it's a laurel wreath game. This is a game that has been entered into a thousand different indie festivals and has won, you know, mm-hmm. or, or or been you know chosen for as a finalist and all that sort of stuff. You know, it's got tons of laurel wreaths everywhere and you know all all this kind of stuff. The sort of thing that. Sometimes, jokingly, uh, uh, you know, I-, I will say, "Oh, that is a that is a thing games journalists love, and nobody will ever play." Right? Like those kinds of games that are indie darlings that are very, yeah. very, very good, but either not quite the right thing or don't have or, the mainstream appeal. Exactly that. So, luckily, this is not that. This actually does have the the the, the chops to back it up. I I'm not. I'm not as in love with it as all of the flowery like there's there are people talking about this game in ways that make it sound as if it's you know the next coming in terms of narrative and it is not it is a very well told story like very well told very simply and crucially using gameplay to tell the story that's the really mm-hmm. exci- for me that's the really exciting part about this game because as you're unpacking your uh, you go through different stages in life and as you're unpacking, you see what made the cut from this house mm. to this house. And you, ah. s- you start to understand the character, where this character has come from as a very, very young, you know, as a child, and then up to, you know, this, this other, through these formative parts of their life. And without saying, this person did this, you manage to understand who this character is, what they are interested in doing, what career they have, what they studied, um, the relationships that they've had, how they worked out, the kinds of foods that they eat, the the identity of their partner, um, the sorts of media they like, the kinds of games that they're into. And this is all just through, you know, in, in a lesser game, this would be a button that you hit to go and find a bio of a character, right? Like this would be like, this person is into GameCube games. Whereas in this, it's it's all done through play, and I think that that is what's really great about this. That 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 
I think, you know, it has all of these plaudits and all these very, very flowery, you know, review quotes and all this sort of stuff. And I really don't think it, it, it really helps the thing. I think the thing that I love about it the most is that it manages to marry narrative with gameplay in, with a really straightforward, simple gameplay mechanic that anybody can enjoy that is very, very relaxed, as you say, Sam. There's really no pressure. There's very little, mm-hmm. there's very few rules in that way. And get across a, 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 a simple uh, narrative about a life, like a, quite a full life. And that that is something that I've not really seen a whole bunch of in video games. Certainly not in a way that hasn't just been hammered over the head by you know yeah. really really mm. awful do you remember that time we went to the lake yes i do like n- none of that more looking at these objects and seeing where do these objects go in this person's life what is the importance that they place on these items mm. it's really interesting i want to keep this momentum going all right because you're so buzzed from your nap whoa I am, honestly. Look at the bed hair and everything. Uh, that you got me for my birthday. A gift you got me for my birthday. Uh, oh, which one? Oh, you Ooh. did so well. I want to say that again. You all did genuinely fantastically. <laughs> Talk about being moved to tears. I was moved to tears by that, genuinely. I'm not ashamed to say. Um, the Lego oh. bonsai tree was just a joy to make. I spent an evening making that. It was beautiful. And this mm-hmm. game, above and below, has has just delivered fantastically. Uh, not only because it was yeah. what I wanted, I wanted a Ryan Lockett game. Ryan Lockett is this uh, fantastic uh, board game designer, but one of those rare mixes who also designs the games but does the art for their games as well. Yeah. And very yeah. distinctive art. And throughout all of the Red Raven games, you see that art making its way through. Pete, you and I spoke in the past. You'd played 8-Minute Empire, mm-hmm. for example. Um, and I've always wanted to own a Red Raven game, a Ryan Lockett game. So I was so utterly amazed when I unwrapped two gifts from you, two gangbuster gifts from you all. And one of these gifts was above and below. Um, and Sam, you came around today and we played it with my neighbour. We did. And I introduced this to my I introduced this to my neighbour and his uh, daughter uh, last year, and uh, he really liked it. Is this the one that you and I played, Chris? Yeah, you played it, didn't you? You took it down to Bristol. Yeah, yeah we played this, Pete. Yes, yeah, sorry. Yeah, because that's why we were talking about Open Empire. So we also played this in Bristol, Pete. It's the, it's essentially... Um, it, this is a relatively old game, seven years old. And since then, Red Raven has, has built and developed on the storytelling mechanic coupled with quite familiar game mechanics. So in this context, it's exploration, it's set collection. There's a kind of a city building element to it. And essentially what you're doing is you're settlers who are unpacking, I suppose, and you are building and developing a new village, (laughs) um, but also exploring beneath the surface, exploring the caves and building down there as well. And you're gaining resources, you're recruiting people to join your village and there's this lovely theme that runs through that really and you have your own village board each player does you're not in direct competition of each other which is something i've really really grown to like more and more in games Mm. which is ostensibly a very euro kind of aspect of it and when i mean euro i mean euro in the sense that games occur outside of the ameritrash kind of area and uh, generally the themes are a little less action-packed a little bit more mundane 
uh, with very close scoring at the end. And they tend to be a little bit more relaxed in terms of their playing. Mm. And it's you have a set amount of workers and everyone starts with that, or villagers, and everyone starts the same amount. And essentially you spend a worker by moving them to the... Uh, to move them to the um, the, the uh, section really that shows they've spent their energy and it allows you to do an action. It's like a chill out zone. Chill out zone, exactly. Basically. Yeah. Um, I've used you for the day. Well done. You deserve to have a lie down because you've built me this new building here. Or, oh, you've recruited this new worker. You go and have a lie down, say, for example. Or yeah. you've harvested. You go and have a lie down as well. Everyone's yeah. having a lie down, aren't they? And, and it sounds pretty simple then, doesn't it? it <laughs> that's, that's a very familiar kind of mechanic. I'm going to spend workers to do things. Yeah. But what makes this a unique game, this is very much typical now of a Red Raven uh, game, is if, you, if the player says, I want to go and explore. And what you do is, okay, great. Everyone around the table goes, okay, brilliant. Okay, great. I take the, 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 the draw from the cave card pile. I place it down. Who's going to go on this exploration? I've got to send at least two villagers. Okay, you two look good. Actually, maybe three. This looks like it might be a big one. I'm going to send the three of you down there. I roll a dice. I look on the chart on the table on this specific card. Oh, there's a number there. I pass the encounter book to somebody around the table. And I say, okay, read read 127 for me, please. And And around the table. And Sam was very good at this today, actually. Very good. Thanks. Uh, you can tell we've all got drama degrees. Well, it's more Dan will know this. It's having a very, it's having a very young child. You get very used to reading text in a very good way. I tell you what, if you want a riveting reading of what the ladybird heard, then you're welcome around my house. Oh, the ladybird! What the ladybird heard is something else. The voices. Yeah. Oh. So, and what I'm going to read from now is actually the one that's in the rule book. So this isn't cheating. This is actually from the rule book. So you'd you, the, the player around the court, the player around the table would read this to you. You descend a deep chasm until you reach a wide, dark chamber. Rancid, cloudy water covers the cave floor, and soon you see glowing red eyes in all directions. You raise your lantern and realise that you're surrounded by giant rats, their brown, oily coats slick and wet. They close in, ready to make your party their next meal. Do you try to run and hide from the rats, or do you stand and fight? So then... You're given two choices in this context. And that's what the ladybird heard. <laughs> Very similar. So you can choose to run and hide, and that's explore three, or you can choose to explore four, or you can stand and fight, explore seven. And what those numbers indicate is how many die you've got to roll to determine how many lanterns you get. How tough the action is. Yeah, yeah that's indicated by how well-equipped your players are that you've sent down there, your villagers. And obviously you want to recruit villagers that are going to give you more lanterns for exploration so you can go for those higher numbers. There is a modifier there. So say, for example, I went for Explore 7 and I only got 6. I could choose to injure one of my workers and send them to the injured section of the board so I can succeed in that. I, I will succeed, but the trade-off is it's going to take me, might take me a little bit of a while to get that injured villager back on their feet and working again. But there's something really delicious about that that process where suddenly everyone around the table is involved and people are goading you, yeah, 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 go on, push your luck. Yeah, you can get seven, you can get seven. Yeah, go for it, go for it, you can do it. it it's, it's a really, like, obviously just played it literally this afternoon for the first time. And I remember on a podcast recently we spoke about, like, especially myself, how much I loved Dune Imperium and how I thought that was a really good mm. example of a work placement game because... Uh, 
these games tend to be a bit frustrating because slots fill up and someone takes something or you don't have enough workers to do the stuff that you want to do. However, Above and Below has a really interesting um, sort of central crux, really, that was summed up for me or really only came light to me when it was like the final turn of, of when we were playing. And it's when I was in a situation where I'd done all the building I wanted to do, done all the recruiting I wanted to do, and it was just like, right, I need some money. How do I, where do I get money from? Like, that's not a worker's responsibility. I have to go on an exploration. And what I loved about that was it wasn't like that same worker placement thing of it's very sort of logical where if I put a person there and I get this resource, then I can put a person there and trade in that resource to get the money that I wanted. It was, I'm going to go on an exploration and I have no idea what's going to happen, but hopefully I'm going to find the thing that I need. And I really loved that, um, that stripping back of the, of the, the rationality and the logic puzzle that is, that is like worker placement games. It was just jumping into the the literal dark of this game to try and find the thing that that I needed and and, and I really like that. Do you do you find um, that you kind of as you as you're playing it you you start to kind of Im, Im, impress your own personalities onto each of the different kind of characters that you're playing with because as you're as you're talking about this I'm I've not played this but you're reminding me and it's very 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 different era but you reminded me of Everdale which we've talked about in the past where I have kind of it's resources and worker placements and put them in different places but I I imbue them with personalities kind of naturally like this person is responsible for this and they do this and I I have all this kind of stuff invested in them it's stupid to do so but you kind of you naturally do it do you find as you're playing that kind of certain um, characters that you're working with kind of you have one of them, perhaps you kind of imbuing like he's a, he's the daredevil. He's the one who's going to push it. He's the one who's going to go on the exploration because he wants to do all that. Or is it? Or is you, are you not getting that deep into it? You, you may do it a little bit, but the the thing that's interesting about this game, and one of the first things I said to Sam was, this game will end quicker than you think it will. It's it's. Mm-hmm. I think it's like literally like seven rounds. It's like ninety minutes playtime roughly, yeah. and it's pretty quick. So you. You yeah. haven't really got enough time for that, um, say, which is a, both a blessing okay. and a curse, really, because obviously you don't want it to be too long because you don't want to feel like you've you've rinsed the encounter book, uh, really. Yeah. So it, it's it's always tantalising. I think I think that's probably the best way of putting it. How, how big is the kind of the encounter book? So what what level of replayability is there? Because obviously, with certain games that are reliant on kind of like if you think of a lot of the card games the likes of your cards against humanity and all that kind of thing those games lose steam very quickly once you've seen the answers on the cards so once mm. you've got through encounters you're obviously gonna you'll get enjoyment from them but you're gonna get less um immediate kind of uh, reaction to them so how how big is that encounter book so how how long will that last there's about over 200 of them and each one has about three or four options to be fair, like I would say that, like you know, this is not the kind of game that you're going to play. I don't think you're going to play this game like 
it's not going to become like a regular at the table, right? It's it's not no, that no, thing no. that you're just going to constantly play all the time, all the time, all the time. And it does feel on the slightly lighter lighter end of Euro games. And I think the interesting thing about it is, I almost see it as as you know, this would be a really great way to to kind of test the waters and see if somebody would be interested in a slightly more narrative focused game. Yeah, I agree. Or or you know, um, and it also does have that you know that that Ryan Lockett. Um, um, we need to come up with a name for it because it's a mechanic that he seems to use all the time. The conveyor belt, where the the conveyor belt approach of when you <laughs> when you've got like a bunch of cards at the top, and basically as you take one, the rest of the conveyor belt kind of moves along and becomes cheaper to purchase. This happens in mm. Eight Minute Empire, and it happens here as well. Um, and that mechanic is really good. Like it is mechanically a, yeah. a a really good game, and and if you're not becoming like the person who knows all of the you know hundreds and hundreds of en- entries in all of the things, oh, I know what you should be doing here. Um, then then actually like nobody quite knows what it is that they're going to do as they go in. And as you say, Chris, there's loads of entries, so it's very rare you're actually going to see. You know, you you're ever going to get a duplicate, right? No, and I like the idea that you're often having to choose the outcome of these encounters. Okay, do I choose between reputation, which is what the victory points are, or Mm -hmm. cold, hard cash, where I am just going to rob this person blind so I can buy that building and then hopefully I'll do something good later on so I can build up enough reputation. And it's really interesting that, and I don't think I've quite worked out that, that, that kind of, that, that tug and that push and pull between those two states, really. Um, I find that a very, very interesting thing to wrestle with. And I do like the idea that genuinely the encounters only serve for when you explore underground. And it's mm. like that sense, I've just come back mm. from something. And uh, now I'm going to just deal with the spoils of what I've got to build my little civilization on the surface. There's something really genuinely interesting about that. And, and obviously you've got the buildings give you little bonuses. And if you by the right combination of buildings you can kind of create engines that will kind of kind of recoup large amounts of profits and resources so it's, it's got all that going on as well as this kind yeah. of narrativized element to it really so it's a really interesting game and genuinely a fantastic gift um really really made up with it everyone i've played it has really enjoyed it um so yeah. yeah and again as you say pete it'll be one of those games that i'll get out once in a blue moon and have a great time with Obviously, nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Um, this is the first time we're all getting together post-Christmas and post-New Year. Indeed. Because to save our sanity, we block recorded recordings. <laughs> but did everyone have a lovely Christmas? Yeah. Was it nice? Yeah. I've had a nice relaxing one. Done a lot of reading. Done a lot of um, eating. Yeah. Done a lot of. I drank a lot of beer, a lot of beer. I bet you did. Uh, Me too. Yeah, and now I'm on dry January, so uh, which is going brilliantly. Unfortunately for me, uh, Christmas, the time when you kind of eat and drink lots of nice things, I got hit by a stomach bug basically from the 22nd to the 27th. So oh. the entire, just the Christmas period. So I had about like. <laughs> Two days to then jam pack as much good food and drink into me before hitting my diet on the first of January. So mm. mine wasn't as fun as yours. I had Boxing Day in bed. Fun, fun, fun. Yeah, I'm, I hope that you all ate and drank enough for me as well. Oh, I did. Defo. I did. 
Mm-hmm. I played a ton of games over Christmas, absolutely tons, because my parents have got like a whole basketball games and oh, I love your parents' basketball. Oh games. Oh my gosh, the, 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 I've seen it. Uh, yeah, you have, haven't you? You nearly fell into it, Sam. It's crazy. I've been in yeah. it. Yeah, um, it's there's some there's games there that literally they will just wait for me to come back and play with them. So like we always play like free player Catan <laughs> when we go and stay at my parents' over nice. example. They love that game. Um, my dad bought my mum a game, which I explained about this to Sam today, where it's, it, it says on the title it's award-winning, and you go on Board Game Geek, you type in the name of this game, and the first, the first and only <laughs> message on the forum post is, what award did this game win? Because I can't find any <laughs> record of it. It's a giant map of the world with like a big grid on it, and essentially lots of different categories a la Trivial Pursuit, but they all are about you being able to go, okay, it's this square on the map of the world. This is where this right. is. Whether it's a capital right. city or a picture of a landmark, yeah, it's here. And getting points that way. How accurate do you need to be? I mean, well, put it this way. Oh, what was it? Good example. <laughs> I think it was we had to find Lisbon. And I was in the wrong area of Spain. Like the wrong area of this particular, the area of it. Literally, I was like a gnat's fart away from where it was. <laughs> And you can't you can't straddle squares, so it's like oh gosh, where is this? Um, so it is it, it's pretty unforgiving. And there's also a side of the board, Sam, um, the other side, the advanced side, where it doesn't doesn't have any countries on it. It's just literally a land mass, the continents. That's it. I would be terrible at this game. Yeah, I would not be good at mm. that. Geography yeah. is not my strong suit. No. So uh, yeah. Uh, um, the one, you know, the only time they didn't get any recommendations from me when they bought a game. Um, but my my mum got her own copy of Quacks of Quedlinburg for my dad, which she's so made up about. She absolutely oh. loves that game, loves that game to pieces. Yeah, I adore that game. Yeah, we we uh, the, the 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 two sort of quote unquote traditional games that we played was we played Trivial Pursuit, which is all which is always a load of fun. Um, generally, just like. The trivia beside, but just how bonkers the mechanics of that game is. Like the fact that just just navigating the board means that the game lasts about an hour and a half, and it just like doesn't need to, and it just 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 absolutely blows my mind that the biggest problem with that game is just how do we make this longer and more complicated <laughs> when it doesn't need to be? Well, I know, Jeffrey. Whoa. Uh, but we also actually. It was the first chance we got to play Snakes um, because it's a game that really demands, you know, a lot of people to play. And before then, we'd before Christmas, we really not had any chance to get a significant amount of people together. So Snakes is from um, our wonderful friends at Big Potato mm-hmm. who have never steered us wrong in terms of games to introduce and play with a family like Obama Llama. We recently got sent the the new sort of version of Obama Llama 3, which I winged away to Dan to go and enjoy at Christmas. Don't know if he did, because you probably can't play it from bed. <laughs> um, uh, 22nd Showdown, Herd Mentality, excellent, excellent um, party games. And one of their newest one is Snakes, which is from the mind of Philip Walker Harding, who we also love, Silver and Gold, Imhotep, Baron Park, Sushi Go, Sushi Go Party, um, all those wonderful, wonderful games. So um, Phil Walker Harding has made this um, uh, 
trivia game of sorts called Snakes. It's all, it's like a social deduction game split with a trivia game. And we tried to play it before with four people and it just didn't work. Um, so when we had like five, I think sort of six, seven people we were playing it with luckily over Christmas. And the idea of the game is that um, everyone gets a hidden role. They're either a human, a mongoose of truth, or they're a snake. If you're a snake, you get to see the answer to the question. Everyone else doesn't. Okay. And the object of the game is for the snakes to try and direct everyone else to get the question wrong, whereas everyone else is obviously trying to get the question right. So it's a really nice twist on the trivia experience for two reasons. First of all, the questions are kind of those questions where you think you should know the answer. So it's things like, what are there most of in the world? Like fish, fungus, or... Um, Hundreds and thousands. Mam or insects. And it's like, this is just like a perfect question where it's, oh, I remember watching this documentary once where they said like fungus covers half of the world. Right. Uh, it's like, oh, no, it's got to be, it's got to be fish because look how big the ocean is and all this kind of stuff. So the questions are just ambiguous enough that it's very, very rare that anyone would ever come up with the answer, which is perfect, a perfect environment in which these snakes yeah. operate where they can kind of be like, yeah, I, I, you know, when you're saying fungus, I think you're absolutely correct. <laughs> I think I saw that same documentary. Yeah, didn't you, Aren't John? You clever. Yeah, I did, mate. Yeah, yeah. And then as soon as anyone goes, yeah, I know the answer to that, everyone goes, hmm, well, that is what a snake would say. Uh, and he's just like, no, I'm telling the truth. Um, oh, it's so interesting to have that with trivia. So we, that is a really interesting wrinkle yeah, to have Yeah, I know, exactly. And, the, and the, second, then the second thing that's good about it is that it adds this social deduction area to it like there's not a part of the game where you have to like actively try and find the person like you don't get points for finding a snake so there's never any moments where there's um like lots of accusations or accusatory language mm. which can be quite frustrating in games like this especially when you're you know you're the person um who is not who is like the ordinary human and you're getting accused of something, which is why there's a thing in this game called the mongoose of truth, which is a very overt symbol. You get this like little wooden mongoose. And so everyone around the table knows that you are legitimate and you're trying to get this answer correct. So you're almost like the arbiter of this right. like trivia um, back and forth. We, we did we did sort of house rules it a little bit. We, we found like the balance between snakes and humans was a little skewer. So we like brought down the snake's um, numbers and upped the human numbers. And we also imposed quite a harsh time limit in terms to answer the questions. And then we felt like the game worked a lot worked a lot smoother. But yeah, it was, you know, I really love trivia games. But as I said, some trivia games are either exceedingly old-fashioned or terribly mechanized in the case of trivial pursuit so things like and it's another big potato game things like mr lister's quiz shoot down and now snakes so good have definitely rejuvenated yeah yeah they've, they've, it's just a nice rejuvenation of the of the and and revealing the question it's frustrating when snakes get it when when snakes are managed to convince you to the wrong answer but those questions are so obtuse but interesting you just want to know more um, right. to like yeah so 
Yeah, it's really, really I nice. genuinely do think that everyone needs to have like a copy of the Mr. Lister game, like in their car, their glove box, say, for car journeys. Mm-hmm. I know that when I've yeah, been walking yeah, yeah. with you and Lisa, like we've we've just had them around, haven't we? We'll just ask them each other. We did it when we were walking in the summer. You know, it was lovely. Sticking with the big potato thing, do you know what the MVP of our Christmas was? Which was perfect when you've got like, in my case, same as yours, Sam, same as you, Dan, um, a young child running around where you, my sister who loves playing games, she, she's got a one-year-old son, couldn't really commit to a table with lots of mm. moving parts there. Sure. Um, it was big potato TV. Yes. Uh, honestly, I was, th- this literally made our Christmas so, so much more enjoyable. And it was always going to be brilliant, but this was great. So you don't need you don't need an app. You, everything's all browser based, which is brilliant. So this is in the beta stage. So what this has, it has free big potato games up there. So herd mentality, which Sam has already mentioned, is up there, which you can play. Scrawl, which is their drawing game, yep. it's basically like telestrations, and can of squirms. Oh, I love can, can of squirms. Was my app the absolute favourite? Yep. And and it's really nice as well because. Like it got to a point, I think the other great thing about this game was it got to a point, especially on our Christmas, where we didn't want to sit at the table anymore, but we still wanted to play games. So we had this like where we were staying, we had this like lounge area. So it meant that people could just chill on their phones and we could all play a game together rather than like sitting at a table with stiff backed chairs where it wasn't as where it wasn't as comfy again no apps all browser based and beaten hopefully they'll be adding more of more of their stuff on there such as say snakes for example sam i i imagine that um essentially what they'll do is copy sort of the um jackbox party pack model which is essentially i i think so this this is about 15 quid um for these three games i think you could probably get it for a bit cheaper especially if you sign up to their newsletter you get like 10 percent off um across their site and they do sales all the time so i essentially think that they'll have like another pack that they'll release maybe for another 15 quid which would be another three of their games or whatever so you can pick up um i imagine they probably won't add stuff to it but they will add other packs featuring some of their other games because i could imagine something like mr lister working really well here um snakes really working well on something like this um yeah it's great it was really good and it and and it works really really well for those those situations where you've got some people in the room with you playing on the devices you can also who can play simultaneously with those online remotely via zoom or whatever you use like teams whatever it's great As, as long as you've got a device with a browser on it you can play I didn't. Uh, I didn't play really any games over Christmas, uh, other than uh, Snakes and Ladders, uh, which my little boy got for Christmas. So he's been loving that because he loves numbers, so he loves dice. Like I've got like from where we play RPGs, I've got like a load of dice in in, in the office. So he always comes in and just likes to play them, just roll them, and just count all the numbers. He loves it. Um, so he's been loving playing that. Uh, but what I really love, especially kind of around the Christmas time, because at Christmas you get the 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 bumper kind of radio times two week kind of festive galore uh and what i like to do is go through all the films and pick out like old films that i've never seen what what? i see a shake of the head no 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 dan give give us a list what what were you picking out 
Well, uh, I was. But I mean, like, you're the guy who didn't. You said he didn't have a summer and winter duvet, but now you tell. But now we'd sit down with the radio time. Ignore them, darling. Ignore them. By candlelight. Come on. Yeah, nothing list. wrong with the radio. Host. So, for example, some of the films I've I've watched that I'd not seen before. I watched uh, All the President's Men. All of them. JFK, Abraham Lincoln. Watched them all. <sighs> Donald Trump in Home Alone too. Yeah. So it's so it's moving swiftly on. Uh, Mad Max uh, had that. Uh, which then led me on to I haven't watched them yet but I've also now got ready to watch Mad Max 2 and Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome um, so it's those kind of things that I really enjoy and I've really enjoyed lately of kind of using these to f- spot kind of old films or films I haven't really heard of so I mentioned to you there's a more recent film called The Peanut Butter Falcon yeah. um, which is a really lovely film um, which, I, which I watched which I wouldn't have typically kind of seen because it was a very small scale film. I wouldn't have really gone to the cinema with it, and it would have kind of the kind of thing that kind of passes under the radar. But I spotted it, thought it looked good, so I watched it. I loved it, and it's just about when I was younger. I used to watch like old films all the time. I would go to the shop like mm. on the way home, like I'd, I might be working in town or getting a train home, and there'd be like a HMV, and I'd go in there, and they'd have like all the shelves of DVDs and it'd be like three DVDs for £10. So I'd buy like Taxi Driver and Scarface and these kind of really kind of old classic films. And I'd watch them, I'd love them. And I just kind of lost track of that over the years. And so what I do now is I, I kind of look at what's showing up. In the, I've already done next week's list. Um, so I've already got some stuff kind of ready to record next week. Um, and I'm just really enjoying kind of catch catching those old films because they don't come on very often and if you don't know what you're looking for it's the problem with kind of your netflix and your amazon and all that stuff if you don't know what you're looking for it's very difficult to find it you have to kind of know i remember there's like a there's a scene in um the aaron sorkin uh written show the newsroom where the main character played by Jeff Daniels is talking about encyclopedias and how he misses them and he misses the idea of being able to just browse for information. All the information in the world is online, but you have to know what you're looking for. Whereas with an encyclopedia, you could just scroll through and just pick a random page and learn something. And that's what I'm kind of finding with this, of looking at a list of films that you could say has been curated. Obviously, it's, it's not, but it's kind of just a list of defined films and I can just pick and say, I mean, all the president's men I'd never seen, and it's like a from like nineteen seventy two, nineteen seventy four, I think it is, um, and that kind of film always interests me. The kind of a, a film about people basically sitting around talking. I'm I'm always sign me up for those films because they're always brilliant, <laughs> and you've got incredible performances. Um, but I would never have picked that up. I mean, I don't I don't think it's on streaming things, but I would never have gone onto Netflix and said, you know what, I want to watch, I want to watch a. Yeah. Uh, political journalist thriller from 1974 mm. about Richard Nixon that's what I that's what I want to do with my kind of Thursday evening but because I've got it there and I've got this kind of selection now of old of old films that I can pick and choose when I've got a spare evening I can you know what I'll put that on and just kind of watch it um and I'm really just enjoying kind of having that as a as a background and I do that like Christmas is a fantastic time for films when they Obviously, all the channels are putting all their money into getting the best films for different stuff. I downloaded and watched Mary Poppins Returns again because I think that's just a brilliant film. Um, but you have all those different things over Christmas of like the good films, the bad films, kind of the big budget, the the small scale stuff. Um, and that's what I've I, I did over Christmas. I I 
recorded loads of stuff and then watched it when I was able to. I mean, I had free time. I was lying under a blanket. Um, so that's that's kind of what I did. I didn't have time. I, not so much didn't have time. I didn't have the opportunity to kind of sit down and have a have a board game, which is usually what I would do at Christmas. Which is always a kind of a big thing at Christmas. You do, you sit down, you play board games and you have kind of family stuff. Whereas, because I didn't have that, I did have the opportunity to kind of just like, enjoy watching old films and learning learning new stuff like learning stuff about all the president's men it's just like absolutely fascinating you i know things about kind of um like the 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 spy deep throat which you kind of know just through popular culture but actually this is the i'm not saying it's the origin because it's obviously the film but this is where that whole comes from you see scenes that you're like i've seen this scene parodied like 20 different times the scene right. of a of someone in a hood in a darkened garage having a secret conversation. You've seen it everywhere. Oh, this is what that's from. Okay, this is right. the original. I've seen this in Family Guy. I've seen this in The Muppets. I've seen this everywhere. Um, but yeah, so that's, that's kind of what I did um, to, to, to pass the time. And that's what I do kind of on a regular basis. And I really, really enjoy doing it. If you have the opportunity, if you've got like the, the, the service to be able to just to scroll and record it's a lovely way of being able to just spot those films and those uh things that you've not seen that would have passed you by just because they're just because they're old and they're not they're not in general circulation anymore they're not on netflix or if they are they're kind of buried kind of deep in the bottom that yeah. you have to specifically look for it as opposed to just kind of browsing for your your film literature uh i remember being a kid watching discovering old films as a kid um, in the attic of my parents' house under the hot water tank, big old TV. And I was like, oh, I've got half an hour. This looks quite good. I'll, I'll start watching this. I was watching Ben-Hur. That is a long film. <laughs> a bloody long film. That is a long film. Like four hours uh, and pretty bleak in place. Yeah, you kind of need to know what you're getting in for. Did you Did you hear that? Uh, did you hear what James Cameron said um, recently where he was, um, uh, he said that his big fight back, right, for for cinema against well not really against streaming services but like to help what they see is like stopping the rot of of streaming services or like at least work with them it's essentially release films like in two stages so you could have like a film which is essentially six hours long and you could put that on a streaming service but then people can go and see a condensed version of that film oh, gosh that's only two hours long in a cinema that's what they do with audiobooks you can get the abridged version and the unabridged version yeah so this is this is his big idea of like where you could watch the six hour version of this film and then you can go to this or you could go to the cinema and just watch the two two and a half hour version the of cliff it. notes that sounds like a f***ing terrible idea uh, usually i would agree with you but it comes from james cameron whose terrible ideas usually end up being exceedingly good ideas for some sure. bonkers reasons. Yeah, no, sure. But like, but like, hey, do you want to watch either, here's the two hours that actually are the movie and here's the four hours of fluff in between. But joking aside, isn't that what Peter Jackson did with the extended editions of Lord of the Rings? Yes, and they were roundly, like like the, the, the extended stuff was like, so, so a, a better example I think is the Hobbit stuff. The Hobbit stuff is how how that was expanded, yeah. right? Like, yeah, and and that it's it's trash. Like, like, uh, uh, yeah, I'd like to go and see a two hour version of that movie. I'd love to because 
a bit yeah. of of Hobbit of the Hobbit trilogy. That'd be great. But, but and 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 for someone who's just recently finished watching all eight hours of Get Back on Disney Plus, the Beatles documentary again from Peter Jackson. Like I absolutely adored that documentary and. Like, it's something that I recommend to each and every one of you. Anyone who's done anything in terms of making something creative or been involved with a creative process needs to watch that documentary because it's fascinating actually seeing um, people work and being creative. But the thing is, is that I couldn't watch that again, but I would watch a two-hour version of that, of that documentary. So... I see that there is some value in it. Sure. But then, like, at some point, doesn't the argument then become Netflix goes, and also you can watch that same two-hour version right here on Netflix as well? Yeah, but the deal is Netflix are getting much more content that keeps the viewers stuck on their streaming service. Whereas the cinemas get the shorter content that keeps people coming in through the door which is how their revenue service works i right, want, want to hear some of the, the the things that i've i've got hooked up for next week oh yes please so for next week i've got um uh, the sister brothers which is a western starring john c Riley and joaquin phoenix um uh, from french director jacques odiard i've got I'm going to give you kind of the different flavors of what it of of what I do here. So that one quite a quite an interesting kind of well, basically a good film. I say that because the next one on the list was uh, Independence Day Resurgence because I was like I've not seen it. I loved Independence Day. It takes me back to when I was a child. So let's watch this terrible um, sequel. Um, I've got uh, the Girl in the Spider's Web, which was the newest um, film. Um, in the kind of the girl of dragon tattoo kind of series. And um, that was kind of the reboot with Claire Foy, uh, the sting, which again takes me back to the nineteen seventies, Robert Redford, uh, Paul Newman. Good film. Exactly. So that, that I've never seen that, but that's that. I mean, that's next week. That's on kind of, um, free, free view as well. That's on ITV four. So kind of, I would never be watching ITV or usually, but I can say that in there. Uh, other things, the main things between us, which was a film, I always thought sounded interesting with Idris Elba and Kate Winslet about um, kind of the uh, kind of the, a plane crash kind of in the mountains and like their survival. Um, choosing a particular time to watch that, obviously. Uh, something like Kramer versus Kramer, which is a terrific film, um, and the last one is um, American Animals, um, uh, which I mainly picked because it was in kind of the section of best of the rest. Um, which just said riveting truish heist movie, but gave it five stars, and it starred uh, Barry Keoghan. So I was like, "Yeah, I will, I will enjoy that and watch that." So um, that's the good thing that it's given me a whole, um, whole different, widespread type of film that I can watch and can enjoy, um, and then I can just watch them as as and when I please. There we go. That was staying in another podcast that featured myself. Sam Turner, there was Chris Darby, there was Peter Willington, and there was also Dan the Film Man Frost. Thanks very much for joining us. Uh, always a pleasure to have you. If you'd like to join in any of our discussions, you really disagree with anything we've got to say, or you want to hear a bit more um, about anything we've covered in this or in any of our shows, then don't hesitate to get in touch. 
just uh, search for Staying in Pod on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, we've also got curated pages on Board Game Geek and Steam. So if there's anything that you've missed out on or you want to find an episode where we've covered a certain video game or board game, then you can check all the information there. If you want to send us maybe a recommendation of something that you've been enjoying, then why not send us an email, stayinginpod at gmail.com and also stayinginpodcast.com is the website where everything is held. So all the contact information, all the archive of, of the shows, every single one we've ever released and lots of more information is there if you need to find out anything more. It's all there. If you want to reach out to us or you don't, then you can pick and choose whatever you want to but we just it's a pleasure having you along and we hope your 2022 is going okay we'll be back in a couple of weeks with another episode so please do join us then on your podcast app of choice and until then to take care of yourselves be kind to yourself and those around you bye bye